welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. Man, it feels like forever since I've done one of these. Let's see if it's like, uh, you know, picking up a bike and, and riding again. But yeah, it's been a, a crazy couple of months uh, for me personally. And uh, sorry for dropping off the face of the earth. There was all kinds of stuff going on, which I'll get into. But I just couldn't seem to to find the stuff to talk about or the time to talk about it. So it just kept uh, just kept going. And before I knew it, it's been a couple of months now since uh, I've done one of these. So let's pick it back up and see what happens. Um, hopefully you guys are all doing, uh, as well as you can. The more people I've talked to, it's kind of a weird time right now where, you know, for a long time, everybody's revenue and and call volume and work was on the just constant slope up and everybody was just doing great. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking to people and it's now kind of a mixture. Uh, some people are still doing really good. Some people are just kind of doing like they have been for a while. Uh, a few people I've talked to have said that they, the calls have almost dried up and, and, uh, Works not really what it used to be, so it's it's kind of a weird time right now. Um, for us, historically, this time of year, June, July, can be kind of a hole, kind of a valley in our schedule. Um, it just seemed like every year we would have you know the slower winter, uh, spring would come, masonry picked up, we would get all kinds of calls coming in uh, for work from last year, and we'd get April, we'd get June, it was just great, and we're just climbing, climbing, doing all this work, and then July would hit, and we would just bottom out. Just every year, it would just, for some reason, the calls would stop. Nobody was thinking chimneys anymore. And I was like, well, that kind of makes sense, right? Most people don't think of chimneys until uh, the fall or the winter. So, of course, in the summer when kids are out of school and the weather's great and there's vacations, nobody's really thinking chimneys. I was like, how can I get that to change? Um, and I've talked about that before. That was summer of 2019, I believe, when I decided to start doing TV ads in July, in the middle of the summer, and it helped. The work picked up and we took off. But it's always still been kind of a fight right around this time to to stay, not just so much afloat, but to keep climbing. You have to be used to just kind of coasting through the summer with forward scheduled work, with uh, a lot of preparation through those slower times in the winter and then as it picks up in the spring. Um, but as I'm talking to people, it, it's kind of a shift right now. I don't know what's going on with uh, with the market, I know inflation and gas prices, we all know that everything is through the roof right now and it's just terrible. Uh, but I think we're in for kind of a, a, a rockier summer than usual as people are, are tightening their wallets as they should. This <laughs> sucks. It takes me like $130, $135 a tank once a week to fill up my truck. And it's not even diesel. It's not even a work truck. So I have to eat that every week. Um, and that's not fun, as I'm sure most of you know. But anyway, that's not what I'm going to talk about today. The last couple of months, uh, let's, let's do a quick recap of what's been going on, get everybody caught up as to you know why I kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Um, I think the last time I came on was right after convention and uh, just got back from Vegas. And the work had started picking up. It was that April, spring time when uh, the work just kind of flowed and you have all those estimates from last year you couldn't get to. People are calling up. We're sending out our email reminders to get people uh, thinking about chimneys again, reminding them of the work that we needed to do. It was great. Work picked up and uh, and we took off. Personally, it was a complete shit show for me. <laughs> I mean, on top of my, I get seasonal allergies every year to the point that my, my eyes swell up and I sound like I'm talking like this all the time. So I'm like, I'm not going to do a podcast like that. I can't do it. And uh, I don't know if it was COVID or what, but man, my allergies just just took off this year and would not leave me alone. So that was the first like 
three or four weeks or so, or I'm like, I just, I just can't get behind a microphone. There's no way. Um, but on top of that, I'm kind of dancing around the subject, I guess, but I am in the process of going through a divorce for those that don't know, which is loads of fun. Let me tell you, um, it's, it's amicable, which is good. My wife and I have decided that it's just not in our best interest to stay together. Uh, we had a great run, accomplished a lot of things, but we, we've grown apart to the point that this is not, uh, just not working anymore. That's been the biggest thing for me over the last couple of months is, is processing that, dealing with that. Um, for the most part so far, which it's been pretty amicable, <laughs> but I know that with divorces that can go uh, any number of ways, but, um, we are, as I'm talking to you now, we're actually scheduled in a couple hours to have uh, an open house on our house because we're in the process of selling our home and we're looking for two different homes for each of us. She's already found one, which is great. She found a, a condo down the street here, um, already put an offer, already got accepted. She's ready to go in the next like two months or so when she moves in. Not so much for me. I'm just, uh, I don't know what's going on. I can't find the the right place for me to move into, but... Yeah, that's what we're doing. Selling this house, buying other houses, splitting everything up. So I had planned to do a a divorce episode, kind of talking about what I'm going through personally at the same time as processing what happened with the CSIA and the NCSG. I'm not ready for that yet. Maybe in the future that'll come up. But yeah, divorce is, uh, whether it's good or, you know, amicable or, or a, a, a fight, it's not fun either way. So that's kind of what I've been dealing with for the last few months now. Yeah. So, all right, enough of that. (laughs) Moving on to what I wanted to talk about. Um, With my business, there's been an issue that I have not been able to wrap my head around for the better part of a year. Um, Even though I've been doing all these podcasts talking about issues we've had in the past, I'm dealing with current issues that I just could not figure out or find the why, right? I'm big into patterns. I'm big into uh, you know, figuring out you know what's what's making this happen, so we can kind of get it at the root. You can do band aid fixes. You can say, okay, let's change this or change that. Or going forward, let's just try this. It never really worked, and I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And I think we hit it on the head in the last couple of weeks. Um, I was going to do an episode last year uh, called "High Paid Babysitting," <laughs> which I was talked out of by my management because they they thought it would come across as demeaning, which it could, depending on the mood I was in when I did the episode. But essentially what that was, was the last year or so, my management and and myself have found ourselves as high-paid babysitters. And it's become kind of this running joke through the company, well, through the management, that that's what we are, is we we get paid, you know, the big bucks to run around and, uh, you know, clean up messes and make sure that work is done. and, And it just became it wasn't fun. We weren't enjoying it. It wasn't what we, what we signed up for, right? It became a lot more, I don't even think micromanaging is the right word. It was just a lot of, it was babysitting. That's the only word that I could come up with was having, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way, right? If you're babysitting, that's because somebody needs to be taken care of, needs to be helped. But the whole point of babies is that eventually they get to the point they can go off and, and do stuff on their own. They don't need to be, you know, handheld and, and man, this would have sound like a demeaning podcast. God, it's not what I meant it by. But that's this the 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 mode that we felt we were in was constantly cleaning up messes and and double checking and micromanaging, which then the technicians in the company felt too, because they felt like we were always coming down on them. We they 
They were always getting the negative side of us, always seeing the, you know, make sure you clean up your room type of, of parenting. And that, like, nobody wants that. And we were a couple of times to, uh, told by the employees that that's how they felt. Like, so they were being, you know, parented or, or it's just, it was a mess and it wasn't working. We couldn't figure out why. I kept digging in, digging in. I finally came back to my numbers, right? I've talked about knowing your numbers, knowing what numbers mean. And I've started comparing current numbers to past numbers, either this month versus last month, this quarter versus last quarter, this year versus last year, trying to compare to see what's going on is we're going backwards. Like we were on a steady path of growth for the last three, four years where month over month and quarter after quarter, year over year, we had 30, 40, 50% growth versus the same period. And this, this last month, May, we are down 18% from last May. And this year, we're down, I forget what, but we're down for the year. I'm going, what is going on? We've got so much work that our warehouse is overflowing. We've run out of space to put work coming in, or materials coming in, yet still the numbers are way down. So I started comparing apples to apples. I started comparing uh, the technicians, not just overall numbers for the month. I was comparing each technician versus last year. Like, who was the number one technician in May versus the number one technician last May? And all down the line. And I realized everybody's down across the board. It's just total numbers. And I'm going, okay, something's not right. We started playing with every different thing. Uh, Max said, maybe it's because they're not doing as many liners as we did when we were in the field. And I looked it up. They're actually doing more liners than we did when we were in the field. And I'm going, this isn't making any sense. So for, uh, oh, that's another thing too, is Max and Rick have been out of the field now two years. Their last full year that they were in the field was 2020. And at the time, I wasn't on payroll. I was still the the LLC business owner. So there was no way to really calculate how much I made in, uh, per se. So all I had was Max and Rick's income to go off of, which was really good income, especially for it being 2020 with COVID and everything else. But two years ago, we had lower prices. We had lower materials. Uh, we had a lower uh, performance pay percentage. So they made a lot of money. I'm not going to say what it was, but they made a lot of money. My thoughts were by taking them out of the field and then them becoming managers that they would then be able to manage all these other people that were then making what they made and more. That's what should have happened. When I looked at the numbers, nobody in the last two years has come close to making what Max and Rick did when they were in the field. And I'm like, this, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like I said, I need patterns. I need to see why is this happening? So it's not just that it is happening. I need to know the why. Could not figure out the why for the life of me. Like Max said, maybe it's the liners and maybe it's, you know, this. And I'm going, there's no way with lesser lesser pricing, lesser uh, percentages with COVID happening. You guys are making more than they're making now with all these tools and, and increases that we've had. So I started looking back and everything kind of melded together, right? This whole idea of having to, to babysit and having to clean up messes and it all kind of clicked a couple weeks ago. What has been happening is when myself and Max and Rick were in the field, I didn't have to micromanage babysit kind of thing. I I couldn't, honestly, because I had my own van to worry about because I was still in it. And they just went and did. They just went out and did what they needed to do. And I didn't, I would have to check in once in a while or help them out with certain things, obviously, but they just went and worked, right? The last couple of years, what I've realized is we've never given our technicians the responsibility that they have, right? That doesn't make, like, what does that even mean? Meaning 
they've felt like and we've treated them like employees. Some of you are going, duh, of course they are, right? But no, okay? Through all my consulting and talking to people, that's one of the number one issues people have is dealing with employees. How do you get them to do, and I've talked about that, that you can't wring out an employee like a towel. It's not like, that's not how that works. Get as much out of them as you can. No, you can, but then you become that slave driver, micromanager nobody wants to work for. I have good turn or good turnover. You know, we have people lasting and they're working and they love the work and they love being here and the company culture. I've got all that working for me, yet the numbers aren't there. And that's what I mean. Like, why? We have more work, we have company culture, and the numbers are down. And then I figured out that they have an employee mindset. They come into work because they're told to. They look at their schedule with what we've given them to do. And then they go out and they just do that work. And then they come home and they punch out or they come back, they punch out, they go home. It's that employee mindset. When I was in the field, obviously, as the business owner, it's going to be completely different. So I've taken myself out of the picture. All I really have to look at is Max and Rick, who were there when I was still that operator owner. And I'm looking at what they did. What did they do that's different than now? And they saw how busy I was. They saw how much I had to deal with. And both of them are those diamonds in the rough that they just were like, I'm going to take this and run with it. I'm going to do my own thing. And they did. Meaning they had what I've now called a mini business owner mindset, right? I'm the small business owner. I take all the responsibility. I take all the liability. I take all the cost. I buy the vans. I buy the insurance. I buy the tools. I do the advertising, the marketing. I spend all of the money and take all of the responsibility to make the company happen. The, the people running your vans that aren't you, if they have an employee mindset, meaning they can't do anything without you telling them to, or they can't make any moves without asking permission or they can't, they just can't do anything without checking in. That's where you get those headaches that a lot of you have issues with. Like, why are they always calling with help? Why can't they get anything done? If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. All of those things that we find ourselves saying, that comes from a place of unsurety, apprehension. That's the word. They're, they're apprehensive because they don't want to, they don't want to either upset the apple cart, upset you or do something wrong. So they're apprehensive and unsure. And they just, they, they'll put the brakes on waiting for the boss to tell them what they should do. That's where the, the lack in revenue, that's where the, the lack of growth has come from is I have created a company of employees, which is not what I want to do. That is the opposite of what I want to do. When I was in the field as the owner, yes, I had to put that, that, to take that hat off from time to time to go out and actually do the work. I had to have a mind of really a commission based, performance pay based technician, which is if I don't get these jobs done on time, we don't make any money. And there were times years ago that I didn't tell the employees in the company what was going on because they didn't need to. But there were times that if we didn't get paid for the job we were doing at the end of that day, I didn't have money the next day for payroll. Or I didn't have money to buy the materials for the next job. Like I needed to get these jobs done or I didn't get paid or the company didn't exist. Like it got dire. There were months that I was buying lunch on the company credit card and my CPA end of the year is like, what is this? And I would kind of hang my head and I'm like, yeah, that's, I needed lunch that day. And he's like, oh, just kind of nods knowingly and, and categorized it correctly and moves on. But it was bad. Like it wasn't as rosy as I made it look to everybody else because it wasn't their problem. 
Now, of course, the management see the underbelly, the dark underside of what it's like to run a company with numbers and money and revenue and account balances and all that. So they have that same uh, care, I guess you could say, that I have. But at the same time, we're not we're not letting that be known to everybody else. So you just have these management dealing with all of the back end issues and all these employees showing up just to do work. And there's not that drive that we had when we were in the field. So over the last two weeks, I've been pulling all of my technicians aside and I've asked them, Hey, here's what you made last year. Here's what you made for the last year. If you haven't, you know, whatever. And here's what you can make using Max and Rick as that carrot. Here's what they made a couple of years ago. Here's what's possible. Here's the, Here's what you could be doing, and here's what you did. Are you okay with that? First of all, is the question I ask. Are you okay with the money you made last year? Before you even start the conversation, every one of them is like, no, I'd like to make more. <laughs> well, okay, then. We can do that. And then I start going into what they could make, what they did. I'm showing numbers like, this is what we did last year, last quarter. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Until I start explaining to them that my goal for you is to take your van, which is essentially your company. And I want you to take the technicians you've been given, which are essentially your employees. And I want you to take the customers that you've been fed. Those are now your customers. They're not mine, right? I I don't even see the customers anymore. I don't make face-to-face uh, interactions with customers at all anymore. The best At best, I get them after the fact, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I get them on the phone to kind of clean up or or take compliments. I don't see them at the door. I don't see them during the job. I don't see them during any of the actual work anymore. You are now the face of the company, not me. It's not my company anymore. You're the face of it. You're the ambassador of it. Those people are your customers. They're not mine. And that's where the switch happens. When they think they're just showing up to do work for John and the people you're going to talk to are John's customers, I'm just here to be the middleman, you get middleman attitude. You get employee mindset. If you tell them that van that you're driving, yes, I pay for it. Yes, I pay for the gas. Yes, I pay for the insurance. Yes, I pay for the tools. That is yours. I have I have purchased it and literally handed it off to you. That is your mini business. I have seven vans right now at Caesar Chimney. And instead of one company with seven different avenues of of employees, it's Caesar Chimney with seven mini business owners working for it. That's the mindset that shifted over the last couple of weeks. And I've told every one of them this individually, and I've brought them all together and told them as a group, and we're now working towards this. But that van is your company. Those technicians are your employees. Those customers are your customers, not mine. It, the supply chain, the ordering, the uh, the intake, all of that stuff now takes on a different, a different importance. Because before, with that mindset of high paid babysitting, having to go around and say, "Did you check your emails? Did you get back to this customer? Did you clean your van? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you?" That's where we got that mindset of if we don't walk around and correct and hold hands and and kind of push a little bit, nothing's going to get done. We were right. Because we were breeding employees that had to be told what to do or else they couldn't do it anymore. That's out the window. That's not how, ever how I wanted the company to be, first of all. That's not the the intent. The intent was to have everybody run and work like me and Max and Rick did, which was just we showed up in the morning, had that internal drive to do what I'm talking about now without having to be said. It just kind of happened because they were copying me. They saw how I worked. They saw how I talked. They saw what I did. And they mimicked it and they ran with it. Now, two years removed from them coming out of the field, the technicians we have in the field now have never seen me work. 
Some of them have never seen Max and Rick work. All they know of us are these three guys behind desks that are always yelling. <laughs> That's their view of the people that started what we're trying to do here, right? So we've lost it. We've lost that, that I don't know what the word is, that it. We've lost it, whatever it is. It's not there anymore, and it's become very complacent. Yes, the culture is good. Yes, the attitudes are great. The morale, we still do all the fun things in the morning, afternoons, and parties. Yeah, it's there, and we're still making money. The company's not going under, but we're just coasting. We're just kind of on autopilot, where everybody across the board now is making the same amount of money, which is way less than they could be, but they didn't know they could make more. Does that make? It doesn't make sense until you like look into it like I have been. But it's things like, uh, you know, we always talk about three or four appointments a day is is the uh, is the average what you should be doing, and it is. So we stuck to that for the last two years, mainly because the technicians in the field um, they were newer, right? They couldn't get the work done as fast. They had that apprehension, that insurity, that those moments of kind of kind of figuring it out. So that adds to job time. Now we've got technicians that have been in the field for two years. They know the job, they know it well, and they can get three appointments done by noon, one o'clock sometimes, depending on scheduling or how far apart they are. But then they just come back. They just come back to the office and kind of like, okay, I guess I'm done for the day, huh? Like you you gave the attitude of an employee is you gave me three appointments. I got my three appointments done. Can I go home now? Yes, you can. You get paid. I, I changed the way that I paid based on the mindset of if you are hourly, the only way that you can make more money being an hourly employee is either to work longer hours in a day or to work more days in the week. And that is it. There is no way for an hourly employee to make more money unless you work a 10-hour day or six days a week or both. And that just doesn't that doesn't jive with me and my and the way I want to run a company because I don't want burnt out, injured, tired employees. I just don't. There's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, you have to work seven days a week to make money. No, you don't. That's a whole different episode. I've already go, gone over. Know your numbers and you're not charging enough. That's dumb. Nobody should have to do this type of work that long. You can make a hell of a lot more money working five days a week, working eight hour days. It just is. And I've worked very hard at making that happen. And then it went sideways. <laughs> We're now... We don't work Saturdays or Sundays. We don't do longer than eight-hour days. But it went backwards because I was thinking that it would take employees eight hours to get their three, four jobs done. But it's not anymore. They're better. They've grown to the point that they can kill three appointments by noon. But then they think, well, that's all I've been given. I got to go home because there's nothing else. So they'll come in and be like, you want anything cleaned up around the shop? I'm like, no, the shop is clean. And it was just, it kept happening over and over. But I had that tunnel vision where I wasn't seeing what was happening around me, big picture, until I stepped back. And I'm like, why is everybody done at one o'clock on a Monday? That happened a couple weeks ago. Um, everybody, I looked at the schedule. Everybody had finished their appointments. Everybody was done. It was a Monday in G in May. And everybody's either gone or at the shop playing basketball or hanging out. And I'm like, wait a minute. There it is. It didn't click for me until it happened all at once. Because if you have seven vans and two of them are done at noon, you're like, okay, whatever, good day. Or one or a couple here and there. You're like, all right, whatever. When seven vans worth of work are back before lunchtime, really, and everybody's either gone home or is hanging out, I'm like, there it is. It's not a laziness thing. I want to be clear. It's not that they're lazy or they don't want to. 
when I pulled every one of them aside and I said, how much do you want to make? And they gave me a number or they said what they wanted or how much more. I'm like, you can. And I started pulling up the schedule and scrolling back through and saying, look at these days where everybody just kind of, oh, well, I'm done. Or I had a you know two hour gap between appointments. So I just came back to the shop and hung out. When I was in the field, I would call my office manager, Jill. If I, let's say I had three appointments, right? And I finished the first two by 1030. They just happened to be really close and they ended up being really easy to figure out. Done by 10.30. My next appointment's not till 2. I would call her and say, I need you to move that appointment up. Or I'm driving back through these couple towns to get to this next appointment. Can you find me an appointment in these two towns to move up so I can get that one done on the way to that last one if they can't move up? That was the kind of mindset was constantly, and I mean constantly on the phone with the office. Get me another appointment. Find me something to move. Get me some work I can do. Getting two jobs, sometimes three jobs done in a day because I could. Because the materials were in, because the parts were available, because the customer could, because I was done early, because, because, because I was working towards making more money sooner because as a business owner, you just have to. And we've talked before about how you can't expect people to think like you. As a business owner, if you're listening to this, you just get it, right? You know the back side of the company, you know the inner workings, the dark underbelly. You know that if work doesn't get done or if money doesn't come in or if the call, the phones don't ring, that you start to get that feeling in the pit of your stomach like, oh my God, we're going under. That's it. We're all, it's done. We all get that because we've experienced it. So we push and we drive because if we don't, then nothing happens. So we get it. It's hard to make an employee feel that. Because they're employees. They don't have the responsibility, the mindset, the the struggle, the crushing weight of what we carry. And I don't wish that on anybody. So I've never made that apparent to them before. I don't want them to know. They know I struggle, but I don't want to give them my struggles. That's stupid. But then I figured it out. To run a van in this industry, you have to be a mini business owner. You don't get all of the weight of of the constant never-ending bills and and the, the the complaints and the the issues that it takes to run a company and the cost incurred with running a company. I still let my employees know what I deal with so they know how much it costs to run a company and how stressed I am, but I've never given them that stress and I'm going, that's where I missed out. That's the problem. I need to share the good and the bad, even a small portion of it. I've worked so hard on making the job easier for the technicians. I've joked about the fact that they're spoiled right? I want to take my employees right now and give them a push brush on fiberglass rods with a tricarbon copy tear-off inspection report with a stupid tiny little paragraph box where you're supposed to write up all your findings from a level one or level two inspection and tick off some satisfactory, like that means anything, and give them a flash quarter and a shop vac. And I want to send them out and tell them to go do work, right? Or on a repair, I'm going to give them a trough and a, a hoe to mix their mortar with. I want them to feel that pain. I want them to carry their bricks instead of hoisting them. I want them to deal with how hard this job was when I had it. I would never do that because it's terrible. There's a reason that we don't do any of those things anymore because they're archaic and it doesn't breed efficiency. So we've adapted with the times. We have all these tools. We have this technology. Everything's better. Everything's great. But I feel like I've taken too much away from them. I haven't given them the responsibility I've given them all the tasks. It's very, it's task oriented work. Go and do this. Go and go here. Go and say this. And it's all very point and shoot. Do what I say. That's employee mindset. They're just going to do what they're told because they've been told to. Nope. 
Not what we're looking for here. Not what I did, not what Max and Rick did, not what I expected for this company. So I sat them all down the last two weeks and I told them, you are a mini business owner. I'm giving you my blood. You can call it a franchisee, whatever you want. You're out there running around in my shirts, in my van, with my tools. However, run it the way you want to make as much money as you need because you're going to get paid based on what you do, right? So if you have three appointments for the day and you finished it and you've only made five, 600 bucks worth of inspections and it's noon, do the math with your percentages and figure out how much money you're bringing home. Do you, is that good enough for you? 70 bucks, 80, 90, whatever. Let's say you made a hundred bucks. That's good money. hundred dollars a day. Is that enough for you? Do you want to make more? Cause you can, you're allowed. They're like, we are I'm like, you are call the office, get some more, get a, you know, if you have a, uh, an easy liner job that you have booked out three, four weeks, let's try to get that done now since you're done at noon and only take you three, four hours. Let's work till four, make a lot more money because when you make money, we make money, everybody's happier without working 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week. You still don't have to, but also four, five hours a day is not a full day's work either. And the last couple of weeks, the babysitting has gone down. The, the micromanaging has gone down because they have realized they're in control of their destiny, not me. They understand that it's their game. It's their schedule. And the office came into play as well because we had a slew of employees the last couple of years that honestly were a little on the lazier side. They were a little bit entitled and they would come in and yell at the office. Why are you putting a two o'clock appointment on? Why are you giving me this much work? Why did you put this on here? Why did you, why did you, why did you? And they're complaining and bitching. Why did you do this to me? Like they were just poor put upon. They don't work here anymore for obvious reasons. But that kind of made the office gun shy. They became scared to fill the second half of the day because they didn't want to get yelled at by a technician for giving quote unquote too much work. So they didn't. So you have a mixture of employees or technicians that are newer that can't get the job done as fast as some of the more experienced people. But then you have the mixture of some of these employees just being assholes and and coming down on the office for giving them more than three appointments a day or four or whatever it was. And the office just recoiled. They're like, fine, we're not going to do it. And that just, it didn't happen quickly. And it didn't, nobody said it. Nobody spoke it out into existence, but it just happened. And over the last year, we've had this slowing down of efficiency and productivity without anybody realizing it was happening because we were so focused on the minutia. All of that's done. This was it this week, this week we had the employees, uh, we sat them down and talked to them and explained everything to them. And it was like magic because like I said, the employees, my employees, my technicians are not lazy. They don't have, they don't work here doing this job with a lazy mindset. We know that these guys kick ass. They will do anything that's asked of them, but I don't want to ask of them. I want them to just, do whatever they want to do, provided it's going to make them money and and make them happy. And that's what's happened. All of a sudden, the phones are ringing off the hook with the technicians calling in. Hey, can you get me another appointment? Can you move this up? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you call this customer? This guy wants to book for next week, tomorrow. Can you move this job up? Can you go here? Can you go there? And I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. I mean, overfilling to the point that I'm like, we should, <laughs> we had a technician working till six o'clock at night on his own. On his own. He asked for it. We tried to reschedule and make his day easier. He said, don't you dare put those back. I got those. And he made the office, put the appointments back in. And he worked till six o'clock at night getting a job done. And I called him at six or he called me and he was happy. He's like, hey, it's going on. We're finishing up. It's a good day. And I'm like, I am so proud of you. He's like, thanks, man. I just, you know, I'm just really happy to get all this done. And we haven't had an employee work till six o'clock on purpose in years. 
Not that they should. Like I said, I'm not asking people to kill themselves and overwork, but this is one of those things where he needed to get this job done. Whatever. It's a one-off thing, but he was okay doing it. He asked for it. He made the office put it back in so he could do it. And it's just been magical watching it. So that's my 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 nugget here coming back into this uh, this uh, podcasting is try to create mini business owners out of them. Make them understand that they are the point of contact. They are the, the first line of defense. They are the ambassadors. They are the company, whether you like it or not. I know that scares a lot of people that are still stuck in that fear mindset of if, if, uh, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. You're right. It's up to you to make that happen. Anytime somebody says that, you know, you know, these guys don't want to work and no one can do it as good as I do. And uh, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. All you've told me is you're a terrible trainer. You don't want to train. That's what that means is you haven't taken the time to make it so. And it's terrible. Let me tell you, it's not easy. It's hard. And even when you think you've quote unquote figured it out like I did, something else comes up like this, which brings you back to something Chuck Hall told me years ago and it stuck with me. He brought up the, the word Kaizen. It's a Japanese word. It means change for the better or continuous improvement. When What Chuck told me was it's constant and never-ending improvement. He goes, that's your new job. He told me this when I came out of the van myself. He said, your new job is Kaizen. Your new job is to constantly and never-endingly improve your company in any way. And I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, whatever. And I kind of was like, I can, I'll do that. And it wasn't until I realized how much more free time I had. I've talked about this before. Coming out of the van, all of a sudden, now I didn't have to rush out the door for my first appointment. I didn't have to do all the things I did before. Yes, I was stuck in an office staring at a screen, which is not what I'm made to do. But I, after a couple of weeks of figuring it out, I now had time. And that's the magical thing. Time is money. Time is the essence of what you can do. If you don't have the time to do it, you're either going to half-ass it or not do it. Having the time to put into something, being able to spend more time on the scheduling, the advertising, actually going to meetings and answering the phone and being able to put my heart and soul into the stuff that was just background noise before. I couldn't focus on my advertising. I couldn't focus on my hiring. I couldn't write SOPs because I was too busy. Something you hear business owners say a lot. I'm too busy. I can't go to training. I'm too busy. I can't go to this. I have too much work. Uh, Okay. If that's what you want to do is spin your wheels forever doing the job until you literally can't and then turning around trying to sell a quote unquote business, which is nothing more than a van, a ladder and some scrap tools. That's sad. I don't want that. We see it all the time. People trying to sell their life's work online. Please, please buy my business. And we're like, dude, that's a, a 98 van with broken ladders and a vacuum that's no, I don't want it. Thanks. That's not a business. And it's sad that people have that mindset and I watch it and I never want that for me. Never. So my goal is to constantly and never-endingly improve this to the point that it gets better and better and better, but you have to stop once in a while, take a look at what you've created from a 30,000-foot overview and not just in the middle of it, and make sure it's cre- it's been created correctly, because mine wasn't. I had over-improved <laughs> to the point that it wasn't happening the way that it was meant to two, three years ago. But how do they know that if they weren't there two to three years ago? So it's on me and my management to do that. And it's not. I'm so glad I didn't do that episode because I'd have to be recoiling right now. It is not babysitting. It is not micromanaging or or following people around and cleaning up messes. Yes, that's going to happen. 
It's always going to happen when you're running a business. There's going to be stuff to clean up. There's going to be issues to have to deal with. I'm not saying this goes away and it's magically all perfect. No, no, no. Everything that we do is a mindset. It's how you approach it. It's not the what, it's the why. I heard that years and years ago and that stuck with me. That's something that I've I've believed to my core. Too many people are worried about the what, what you do. It's why you do it. Why? What's the mindset behind what you're doing? This goes back to sales. And I say that a lot. You know, you know, I don't want to be a salesperson. I've been one. <laughs> I know what it did to me. I know what it looks like. I am not a salesperson. Now, do I have to make sales? Yes, I do. What's the difference? The difference is your mindset. If you're going into somebody's home to push a product, to force them to buy, to make them sign up today, you're going to have a, a salesman mindset. If you go in there with a mindset of service, of assisting, of advising, of informing, of helping them, of educating, if that's your mindset as you're an educator or you're an advisor or you're a service man or woman, then you're going to make a sale still, but you came from a different place. You came from a place of service and it's your mindset. If you think you're a salesperson or you think you're a service person, you're right. It's all in how you do it. So with this, if you think you're an employee, you're right. If you think you're a mini business owner, you're right. But you've got to change that mindset. You've got to, you, I'm talking to the owners now, you have to allow that to happen, which means, yeah, you're not in charge anymore. Honestly, you're not. I had to fight that a lot over the last few years of not, I'll see things being done and it's not the way I would do it. But then I realized that I'm not the one doing it, am I? Why am I going to force them to do it the way I would do it if it's still being done correctly, just their own way? And that's on that small level. That's like on a job or how to replace this brick or how to, you know, cut this or do that. Like I wouldn't do it that way. It got cut, didn't it? Safely, correctly, right? If it's wrong, yes, fix it. But if it's being done right, why why mess up how they're doing it just to that's an ego thing that's something i've had to fight over the last few years is my ego of being the face of the company being the the uh the the be all and end all to how everything's done it's not anymore someone told me years ago how can i write an sop for my company if i haven't been in the field in five ten years i can't how can you if you're in the if you're not in the field anymore you're not the one doing the work how could you ever write an sop i can't the, the practices, the processes that I know that my muscle memory bring me back to are two, three years old at this point. We have different everything. <laughs> All our tools, our vacuums, our tarps, our ladders, our processes, our inspection reports, they've all been fixed since then because I've been out of the field with all the time to fix them. So yes, I have built them and I have in, in, uh, put them in place. I have, have structured it, but I've never used them. I've never actually done it. I can't tell you how long it should take you because I've never done it. So how can I write an SOP if I'm not the one actually doing the work? I can't. It's on them. It's on the people doing the work to write the SOPs. I've told my my technicians that up to this point, if I had an idea, right? I'm sitting at my desk. I'm like, we should do this. And I look at Rick and I say, Rick, go tell all the lead technicians this. And I look at Max. Max, go tell all the assistant technicians this. And I look at Jill. Jill, go tell all the office this and there. Look at me. I've, I've, I've disseminated and I've, I've delegated and yeah. But then Rick goes and tells the leads and Jill goes and tells the office and Max goes and tells the assistant techs and nobody talks across. Nobody talks together. We've lost that round table mentality we had when we were smaller. Now it's just a bunch of down the line. And you know what rolls downhill, 
right? That's what I'm getting. So everybody's just doing what they're told because they were told to, because some guy at a desk that doesn't do this job anymore told me to do it. That's an employee mindset. And you're only ever going to get employees that way. We're going to turn it around. I told all the technicians, you come to us. Hey, you know what? I don't think we should do these meetings in the morning anymore because I'm consistently late for my appointments, but we show up because you tell us to, and then my, my customers get mad, or I don't think we should do this, or I think we should get a different tool, or I think we should switch. One of my employees, or <laughs> one of my technicians had an idea last week, and he said, you know, this whole thing of having the assigned technicians all week is great, but uh, I had a really uh, hard job last week, and I had the new guy because that was my week with him. Meanwhile, I look across the the room, and another uh, lead technician has a much more experienced technician, and they had a couple inspections that day. So I, I think that's not fair, and I'm like, you're 100% right. You are 100%. I can't see that from my chair. I can't see that from looking at the schedule overview. You can see it because you're in the middle of it. You have all the freedom in the world to go over there and say, hey, can we switch text today? I think I need him. He's better. We can get done faster. And you can train the new guy on the inspections. I'm behind you 100%. But he never made that call because he didn't think he had the responsibility. And he didn't bring it up the chain because he didn't want to overstep. So instead, they just put their nose down, they go to work, and they do what they're told. That is not what I want in my company. I want ideas. I want innovation. I want adapting. I want I want it better. And I can't make it better from an office. I want the people in the trenches doing the work in the middle of it to go, this isn't working. We need a better way. So now it's flipped. My technicians now tell me what they want to do. They come to me or my management with ideas. Hey, we're going to try this. We're going to do that. I think we should change this. I think we should go here. I think we need to switch this. Okay. Now, this is funny because I've already I've already had this mindset years ago, back when Chuck Hall told me Kaizen, constant and never ending improvement. I took that and I wrote it on my on the whiteboard in my office and I told my technicians, This is what I am. I am now your constant and never ending improvement. And then underneath it I adapted a little bit and I said, and support. I am your constant and never ending improvement and support. I'm here to support you and to try to improve everything. And they're like, okay, cool. And they ran with it. That was years ago. Now we're back to this. When I say that my, my technicians bring me ideas, I'm there to support them in it. I'm not here to, to micromanage and demean and come over their head and tell them what they should do and tell them they're wrong and blah, 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 blah. And like, no, I don't ever want to be somebody's boss. I know I have to be, but I don't want that mindset. Now you come to me with ideas I'm going to say, well, we can, we've tried that before. Here's what happened, but this is, you know, two, three, four years removed. So let's try it again. Or we can't do that because the numbers don't support it here. Sit down. Let me show you what the back end looks like, the profit and loss and where the money and, you know, there's ways and reasons that it might not be able to work, but that's what I'm here for is to give you that assistance and support. They haven't had that before. They didn't know that they could change their schedule. They didn't know that they could change their technicians. They didn't know that they could move around jobs. They didn't know that they could make the calls that I'm asking them to make. And now that I've told them, you are a mini business owner in control of a company, employees, customers, and materials. Same as me, but a seventh of it without the headache. Now go out there and make as much money and do as much work as you want to do. You're still going to have us here for support. You're still going to have us here to check and make sure it was done right. You're still going to have us here to make sure we're on the right path. But you have enough experience. You have enough uh, responsibility to go out and, and and we trust you to do it. Go and do it. And oh my God, the change in the last two weeks in my company. 
the morale has shot through the roof. The conversation, the communication has, I don't even, I can't even quantify it, triple, double. It's just, it's nowhere near what it was before. There was no communication before. It was all very just quiet and everybody doing what they were told. Now, the office is a buzz in the morning of technicians and, and office and leads and management and asking for help. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to change that. And I'm going to go here and I'm going to do that. And the schedule's full. The schedule is now full. Like I said, we have technicians working till six on of their own choice because it's the right thing to do, because it's what the customer needs. It's because what the, the job calls for, they're going to do the right thing because they know they're going to get rewarded for it in the form of getting paid for what they do. So that's what I've been dealing with the last couple of weeks. It's been magical to watch. And uh, it finally gave me something to talk about on here um, and kind of bring it back to how this whole thing started. This whole podcast started because I've screwed up a lot. Nobody ever showed me how to be a business owner. Didn't go to school for it. And even if you did, like, I don't think there's chimney business owner school anywhere out there that shows you how to deal with what we deal with. We're such a niche, 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 niche. We're such a unique <laughs> industry that it's, it's, it, the only place you can get help is from other business owners, which is why I have latched onto the Mark Stoners, the Chuck Halls, the Jasper Dranglers, the Steve Scallies, anybody out there that's been doing it longer, better, bigger than me. I want to latch onto them and say, how did you do it? And I call them constantly with help. Like, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And how do you deal with this problem? Because they've done it already. But no one ever showed me how to do it. So for the last six, seven years, I've been just kind of floundering, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And everybody oohs and ahs over the stuff that's stuck, not realizing there's a pile of it on the floor. So that that's what this podcast is, is kind of digging into that pile <laughs> to show you, hey, this is where I've screwed up. And uh, for a long time, a lot of my stories were four, five, six, seven years ago. Here's one from two weeks ago. Be careful making it too easy. Be careful making it too, too streamlined and be careful creating employees. Be careful creating people that are just going to show up and do what you say. As much as we think that's what a boss is, it's really not. A leader's job is to create more leaders, not followers. And I preach that and I talk about it. I'm pretty sure I even said it in episodes and put it on my Facebook page and, you know, but I wasn't living it. I was a leader that created followers. And that is not what you want. I promise you, because it just makes the headaches bigger. It makes you feel like you're a high paid babysitter, which is not where you want to be. And it's not what you want to do. And you, then it creates that negative mindset of looking at your employees like they need their hands held. And it just perpetuates. It grows into this mess. It grows into a pile on the floor is what it grows into. So that's what we're correcting. Um, it's been working so far. Of course, now the, the idea is consistency. Now the idea is keeping that going without burning out people, without overworking people, without losing morale. It's a balancing act, and I'll keep you updated as we go through it. But, man, what a difference it's made so far. So um, that's all I got for this week. I got a couple more uh, ideas for episodes coming up of stuff that I've wanted to go over for a while. But I think I'm going to switch my podcast up a little here. Um for almost a year now, it's just been me pretty much talking to you. And eventually, like I have, I'm going to run out of stuff to talk about. So what I want to do is I'm going to start including all of you in this. That's the way it should be. 
Um, I want guests. I want people to come on and talk about what you want to talk about. I want to hear what's going on in your businesses, in your life, problems that you're having, uh, issues that you've solved, ideas that you've come up with. I want you on this show. So if you've been listening to it for a while or if you just started listening to it and you've got something you want to talk about, shoot me a message. You can get me on uh, the Caesar Consulting Facebook page. You can get me on my personal Facebook. Um, shoot me a message. But I want to have you on the show. I want to start involving a lot of the the chimney world in it besides me. So that's all I got for this week. Shoot me a line and uh, I will see you next week. Thanks for listening.